and welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself signing them set the crossroads of faith and pop culture and talk about the different events and issues and stories that take place. And so I thought what we could talk about is the the concept of kindness and what is that actually like? And if we make a commitment to kindness and what could random acts of kindness be like and and how that might impact people. And so I thought maybe that we could start the conversation just talking about kindness, what it means to be kind, and how we can go about doing that, and maybe the impact that might have, not only during the holiday season, but beyond that as well. Yes, Don, I think it's such such an important topic, isn't it? Uh, Because the society at large seems to um, becoming more coarse and angry and hostile and divided. And, you know, all of that, as we know, uh, it it comes from our sinful nature. I mean, Christians, you know, we can either be living uh, in the spirit or in the flesh on any given day, any given hour. And when we're in the flesh, we're not being kind. Uh, We're not acting like Christ. We're not uh, encouraging someone with the kind of, of love and and uh, focus that God wants us to, to give to people. So, yeah, I think it's a great topic, Son. It, it's needed more than ever. Um, we all need we all need it. Um, you know, like you say, the world kind of talks about random acts of kindness. It's interesting, you know, for the Christian, it, it's part of our calling. Um, you know, we, we, we don't have the option. Uh, well, you know, uh, let, let me choose whether I'm going to be kind or not. I mean, once we, you know, started following Christ, we committed ourselves to uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us and have his way in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit, the nine things listed in Galatians 5 are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fifth one is kindness. And it's needed, like I say, probably more than ever before. And there is an element, obviously, of human kindness uh, a person can display without being a Christian. Obviously, there are kind people who don't know the Lord. Um, they, They treat others with respect and with kindness. But, you know, as Christians, we are called to be kind for a, a specific reason. Not only will it bless someone else and encourage them and help them and, and lift up their spirits when we're kind, but even more importantly than that, it will honor our Lord and Savior. Because when, when we came to know Christ and became followers of Christ, we now began a life whereby we seek to please the Lord with our thoughts and our words and our deeds. And we do these things not in order to be saved or forgiven. We do them because we've been saved. We've been forgiven through faith in Jesus. In fact, there's a Bible verse that says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, because of God's 
love for us. So it was God's kindness in Christ that reached out to us when we were sinners, when we were lost, when we were unsaved. And God was so kind to us that he brought us to faith in Christ. He brought us into his family, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we have been unkind many times over the years, either to people in our family or on the job or, you know, elsewhere. So it's a great topic today for us, I think, to dive into, to think about a very biblical topic. Like I say, that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply for non-Christians because um, random acts of kindness are, are something that, that millions of people have, have tried to implement in their own life. And, and many of them don't know the Lord, but they, they know that kindness will be a blessing and it's a, a heck of a lot better than, than the alternative, being unkind, being mean, being rude, being disrespectful, being selfish, you know, all of these things that come from our sinful nature. So as we get into this today, I think we'll be um, reminded of, of just who God has called us to be, uh, what he wants us to be, how he wants us to treat other people. And, and it really does take, I think, a focused effort many times to be kind, uh, even for us as Christians. Um, yes, God's love is flowing in our hearts. You know, you would hope that most of the time we wouldn't even have to be reminded of it, you know, just because we're so overflowing with God's love. But even for us as Christians, obviously, it's important that we that we are reminded uh, of, of the need to be kind, that we do make an effort uh, to do what what God wants us to do. You know, there's a Bible verse that says, find out what pleases the Lord. And when we do things that are sinful, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We find out, boy, that's not what God wants me to do because A, his word says it's wrong. But then B, I feel terrible as a Christian that I did that. Uh, so, so we find out what pleases the Lord sometimes by getting it wrong sometimes, but then other times getting it right. And who could disagree with um, a life of kindness being a good thing. I mean, even unbelievers would, would, would I think many of them would, would, would agree with that. But, uh, but, but for the Christian, um, there, there's a higher purpose. There's a higher calling. Um, there's a more consistent uh, purpose. You know, not, not just merely, you know, whenever you think about it, do random acts of kindness. Or like you said, Son, I mean, you know, this time of year, you know, you'll have, you'll have maybe more giving. Uh, people will, will want to donate things more maybe, at Thanksgiving and Christmas and so forth, but but Christianity is 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 a lifestyle, uh, and and kindness is to be right up there at the at the forefront of, of what we as believers uh, are to be doing. So uh, yeah, I'm really glad that uh, we're able to talk about this today, and and uh, hopefully all of us, uh, you know, and every listener will be encouraged um, to just seek kindness. Uh, in our in our uh, interactions with with one another, I think kindness is one of those things that we think or feel or believe we do, but in actuality, we probably fall a little bit short of what we should be doing or how much kindness we should be showing. I mean, we go about our day to day business and we're kind of focused on ourselves or the schedule or the planner or the meetings, you know, whatever's going on. And we might think kindness is something that we have to show in action, like, you know, maybe we purchase somebody's food or maybe we help pick them up when they fall down or, you know, those type of actions. But I think 
when you get down to it, some other, you know, things that you could do that just kind of show kindness that we don't often think about, you know, because again, when you talk about the fruit of the spirit, if kindness is a fruit of the spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to be in us and we're going to have this attitude that reflects Christ. And so something as simple as a smile in this hostile world could be an act of kindness towards somebody because maybe just that smile towards somebody or a compliment picks them up and maybe they were kind of having a down day and that compliment, um, you know, or that smile kind of lifts their spirits. Um, because a lot of times we think of volunteering as kindness or, you know, doing some sort of donating um, of goods and services, you know, as kind. But we forget that the simple things, kind of the, the non-action things of just smiling, a compliment, um, you know, putting somebody else first, listening instead of just being, okay, what am I going to say back to them? You know, instead of hearing, I guess, listen, and not just hear. Um, those are the type of things that we can do, I think, if we start making a conscious effort to do that, then we're going to be able to do some of the bigger things on a more daily basis and not have to focus on them at just one time of year like we are at maybe the holiday season or maybe at somebody's birthday. But I think it's it's one of those things that we have to kind of start to train ourselves and take a conscious effort of I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to do one kind thing today. Maybe the next day it's I'm going to do maybe two kind things today or maybe it's a week or a month just to get ourselves in condition because at first we're going to maybe be gung-ho about it because we do want to be Christ-like, you know, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving uh, one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, as the Bible says. So we're going to want to do it because the Bible tells us to be kind, but even if we just kind of get out of that, okay, I have to do it because, or I want to do it because, but sometimes it's hard because my daily life is going, and I've got all this other stuff going on, all these distractions and things. If we get to just the simplest of things, the smile, the compliment, the hello, the, you know, actually paying attention when somebody talks, those little things, then I think that could be a foundational step to then doing some of the other things that we might have a desire to do, but sometimes think we can't because of our day getting the way. Yeah, I think that is uh, right on target, Son. Uh, what, what I hear you saying is it's important that we are intentional with our kindness, uh, j- just like we, we seek to be intentional with every aspect of our Christian life. It's so easy uh, as Christians to allow our sinful desires, our selfish desires, our unkindness at times from the, from the depth of our, our uh, sinful nature to let that seep into our uh, our day. And this is why in Titus, we're told that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. And so an unkind act would be a, a, an ungodly act, and it's God's grace that teaches us to say no to that. So when I'm tempted to get short with someone who was short with me or, or, um, you know, criticize or, uh, say something that shouldn't be said, uh, or treat someone in a way that maybe we feel like they deserve to be treated, uh, rather than the way God wants us to treat them. You know, all of these are opportunities for us, uh, to say no to ungodliness, to unkindness to selfishness, uh, to rudeness, um, you know, and it really is a heart 
issue, isn't it? You know, um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, above all else, the Bible says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So when our heart is in a good place, we find ourselves being, you know, quite kind to others. But when our heart is uh, more of a hot mess because of some attitudes that we're entertaining uh, or some behavior, uh, something in our life that's out of sync with God's will, um, then it interrupts the flow, uh, the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, Christianity is largely about the know, you know, knowing the right thing, but it's also largely about the flow, uh, doing the right thing. You know, it's not either or. It's like, well, you know, I, I'm orthodox in my theology. Okay, great. Um, but, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy, the young preacher, he said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Notice what he put first there, your life. Um, if our life is not in, in line with what God wants us to be doing, then, you know, having true doctrine cannot offset that as though, well, you know, it's okay, because as long as I believe what's true, it doesn't really matter how I live. Well, no, there's nothing in the New Testament that would support that premise. Um, God wants both. And of course, you know, good things flow from believing the truth. Uh, the truth produces uh, obedience. It produces the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. So it's about being in the flow. Um, it's about saying no to the sinful things. And when we do mess up, to confess that to the Lord, to go to God and 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 tell God that we're sorry and ask him to forgive us, which, of course, he, he does, and, and we, we live under his forgiveness 24-7. But it, it's still important that we confess our sins to God and and then uh, receive that forgiveness. And, and then, of course, that we give that forgiveness. You know, if, if, if we block the flow of forgiveness that God has given us, but we, we refuse to give it to someone else, then, then, you know, how can God use us? In fact, it gets even worse than that. I mean, what did Jesus say? You know, if, if you don't forgive men um, their sins, Jesus said, that, well, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you your sins. So, I mean, if you block the flow of forgiveness toward others, you're then essentially blocking that flow from God to you. You're saying, I don't want, I don't want my life to be about forgiveness. But, but if that were to be a person's attitude, then really what they're saying is, I really don't want Christianity to be part of my life. Because when you stop and think about it, son, I mean, you know, what lies at the heart of Christianity more than forgiveness? Um, you know, it, it's interesting that the holidays tend to present some unique challenges for people, including Christians, because the holidays tend to bring family members together, sometimes uh, in situations where you haven't maybe been together for months. Maybe that's the only time of the year. Um, and it really does present uh, times where um, grudges that are being held, uh, animosity is being held, all these things kind of come to the surface, and, and it makes it challenging. Uh, it makes it very challenging. Um, and, you know, what I like to tell people is, I mean, even when you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings for someone, um, you can still pray for them. And, and that will help to keep your heart free from... 
um, resentment, free from bitterness, uh, free from an unkind spirit. Uh, because if we hold a grudge in our heart, if we judge someone else and, and look down on them as though, you know, um, we're better than them, that's then where we start to get out of the flow. That's where the heart can start to become hard. Uh, yes, even for the Christian. You're, you know, why else in Hebrews, you know, uh, would, would we read today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Um, and that actually was quoting an Old Testament passage when, when God's people were, um, you know, kind of uh, floating back and forth between obedience, disobedience. Um, and, and they weren't uh, staying in the flow. Now, we have a, an advantage now living in New Testament times. God has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's producing fruit in us. Jesus is the vine. He, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So remaining in Christ is walking closely with Christ, praying often to Christ, confessing our sins to the Lord, um, and then saying no to those things that are, are not Christ-like, that are not godly, that are not wholesome. And, and that's a daily challenge, of course, but that's our calling. Um, and, and, and it's easy to see why a lot of people want nothing to do with Christianity. Uh, it's easy to get saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. Now, that's easy. You know, you repent, you believe the good news, you're in. You know, you're saved. Uh, the, the tough part then begins um, really as you start to apply the Bible to your daily life. Um, not only believing the truth, which it has to start with that, because if you don't have correct beliefs, you're not going to receive God's forgiveness. You know, it, it just won't happen. Um, you, you can't just believe any old thing and be forgiven. You can't just believe whatever seems right to you and be forgiven. But you can believe your way into the kingdom of God if you will believe what God says is the, is the way to get in. You know, Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Well, there are a lot of doors in the spiritual realm. There are a lot of religions. But Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you got to go through that door. Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. You can believe your way in. But then once you're in, in fact, that's the only way to get in, um, to believe your way in, to repent and believe. You can't work your way in. You can't, you know, um, random act of kindness your way in. You know, I'm going to go... Uh, Worked this month at the, uh, the Omaha, uh, you know, open door, uh, mission. Okay, great. Go for it. But you're not going to earn an ounce of forgiveness from God by that. You won't have one of your sins washed away by doing that, but go, go for it. Do it. Uh, you know, uh, whether you're a believer or not, do it. It's great. It'll help. If you're a believer, it'll please the Lord. It'll help others. I mean, you know, again, assuming you're doing for the right motive, which I'm assuming you would be. Um, if you're if you're an unbeliever and you feel led to do it, great, go do it. But if you're an unbeliever, if you're non Christian, just realize this: the Bible says that um, we cannot be justified by the law. In fact, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. So as long as you know that you're not going to earn an ounce of forgiveness from God, and and why I say that is that ultimately is far more important 
to you and your existence and your eternity than whether or not you serve at the, at the uh, open door mission. I mean, I mean, that might make you feel good to do it. But if your soul isn't saved, what have you gained? Well, I help the people down there. Great. But what have you gained? Well, it's not supposed to be about me. Well, no, but Jesus died for you. Um, you're going to want it to be about you on Judgment Day. You're going to want it to be about you when you're um, either welcomed into heaven or sent to hell. You're going to want it to be about you. Um, it's going to have to be about, you know, what you did with Jesus. That's what it's going to boil down to. You know, did you accept him as your king, your savior, your Lord? Did you trust him to forgive you? Did you receive the free gift of eternal life? Or did you maybe just live a moral life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I served at the um, Open Door Mission. I uh, raked my neighbor's leaves. I um, helped some people at work. You know, I even sent some money to an organization that feeds um, you know, starving children in Africa. Okay, those are all good things. How many sins did they wash away in your soul? Not one. Should you have done them? Sure. If I'll let you do them, do them. Absolutely do them. Whether you're a Christian or not, do them. It's great. Go do them. But what about you? What about your soul? You know, son, I was thinking about, you know, Charlie Munger right here in Omaha, Warren Buffett's sidekick. Very instrumental in, in, you know, Berkshire Hathaway over these decades. Um, and, you know, we knew the time was coming for him eventually at some point, just as it will be for Warren Buffett. Um, Charlie Munger was a billionaire. Now, I didn't do an exhaustive search, but I just did a little bit of looking online just to see if he ever maybe said anything about his spiritual or religious views. And I was really hard-pressed to find anything at all, really, about that. Um, but, you know, he now, son, has gone across the line. And when you cross over to the next world, um, if you're a non-Christian, if you don't know Christ, then the Bible makes it clear that your soul immediately is transported to Hades, which is one of the Greek words used for uh, hell. Now, if you've gone through Jesus, the door, through faith, if you've been born again, if you've been saved by trusting Jesus to forgive you, um, then you, you're ushered immediately into heaven. But, you know, Charlie Munger now, son, has made that journey to his eternal place of residence. And I sure hope it's heaven. I hope he knew Christ. I hope he was a Christian. I, I, I just don't know. But um, what I am uh, thinking about as it relates to him, son, is all of his billions of dollars. You know, in, in Proverbs, it says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And in the New Testament, it says this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So the righteousness that delivers from death, um, it, it, it ultimately is Christ's righteousness covering your sins as a believer. And then you were motivated as a believer to go out and do different things and live in a righteous way. And that's all great and important and good and part of the Christian life. But the righteousness 
that saved your soul is not your own. It, it, it's the righteousness of Christ. So Charlie Munger now, he had 99 years, longer than a lot of people get to, you know, really decide what he's going to do with Jesus. Um, you know, and I, I did, somebody told me here in the last day or so that maybe he was asked uh, at one point, son, about his spiritual views. And I, if I got this right, he maybe just said, well, I don't talk about that. Okay. Um, but, you know, you, you, you die with billions of dollars and you don't take a dime with you. So it's just a good reminder, I think, son, to every person who is wise enough to consider it, um, really, really think about what Jesus meant when he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Because if Charlie Munger died without knowing Christ, what have his billions done for him? What have they gained for him? Um, how are they helping him now? Um, they're not. They're not helping him. Um, you know, in fact, the Bible talks about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because what a lot of rich people tend to do is is put their focus on their wealth. And, and you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, you have to think about all that stuff and, and, and accumulate it and, and, uh, and fix it and, and all these things. So um, materialism and wealth, have have taken many people away from the Lord because they've essentially made those things their God. Now, I don't know with Charlie Munger, but um, one thing we do know is this, Son. You know, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So wherever Charlie Munger's soul went as he died, and it was only one of two places, um, he will stand before the Lord on judgment day. And, and wherever he went, wherever he's at right now, he'll be going back there after his appearance in court. It, it's like you go to the county jail, um, and everyone who's died up until this point, Son, is, is if they're in Hades, then that's the county jail of hell. If they're in heaven, obviously, then that's, um, you know, that's paradise that Jesus said that uh, the one thief on the cross would, would go to when he died. Uh, but then judgment day will happen. You know, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And, and as believers, we don't have to have any fear of that day because our sins are forgiven. Um, and I, I hope that Charlie Munger's were. Um, I, I, I hope that, uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe son. I mean, I don't know the final hours or final days of his life. I don't know how sick he might have been. I don't know maybe who has shared the gospel with him over the years or maybe did in the final days or hours. I mean, so, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that even though maybe he, he never, to my knowledge, never talked about anything like that, um, you know, maybe there was something there that uh, few people realize. I just don't know. But uh, um, that's going off a little bit from the, the kindness uh, topic that we're on today. But, uh, I mean, hey, son, how many, how many times does somebody that wealthy in your community die and go to heaven? Um, I mean, nobody's more well-known in Omaha than Warren Buffett. This is his sidekick. Um, so it, it's quite significant um, that Charlie Munger has now crossed over. And it will certainly be significant when that happens to Warren Buffett uh, as well. But um, we just we just keep praying, you know, for people to come to know Christ because 
Uh, he truly is the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven. Well, and I think that some of these people, you, know, you think of Bill Gates and some of these other rich people, you know, who have said that when they die, they're going to give away their fortune. They're not going to pass it down through inheritance, but they're going to give most of it away. And I think to them, that's probably them being kind, giving away their fortune. I mean, you talk about a guy here that's worth $2.3 billion. Uh, Matthew Perry recently passed away. He was, uh, his net worth, I think, was $120 million. And I don't know what's happening to these estates, but, you know, you hear these other people talk about wanting to give their um, money away to charity. And so maybe that's their thinking of what kindness is. And yet they don't realize that that type of kindness, although it might benefit other people, it's not going to benefit their soul. And so maybe that's what they're relying on, you know, with their feel good. Okay, this is going to be my dying last thing that I'm going to do for you know, society and for the world is give away my money and hope my money then becomes or is used to help the world. And yet what they don't realize is once they cross over on the other side, there's a whole different eternity that's waiting for them. Um, I think oftentimes, too, people think about legacy. You know, um, you think about these rich people and the legacy that they want. But then when you think about other people and their legacy, like Mother Teresa, and how she went to, you know, basically to live in poverty, really, to help people. And maybe other missionaries that weren't full of riches. In fact, some may have given their lives. We've talked about, you know, those type of martyrs before. People have gone to bring the gospel to all the nations. And, you know, that's kindness. That's kindness that could stretch other people into all eternity. And so it's just kind of a fascinating thing how... When the Bible talks about when, you know, the rich man getting into heaven versus the camel going through the eye of the needle, kindness, and what they think kindness is and what the riches are versus what, you know, some other people do. They give up their riches to go and try to spread the gospel. And that is an ultimate form of kindness, an ultimate form of loving other people, putting your life ahead of others because you want to spread the gospel because you want to share with them a message for all eternity. And so... You know, I don't think it's too far-fetched to kind of compare what some of these rich people are doing with their money when they pass or the fact that they can't take it with them, but hoping that, you know, maybe their legacy lives on uh, by giving it away. Because the one equalizer when it comes to kindness, though, is is time. You know, Warren Buffett could outgive me, you know, a million times over, but his one hour at the mission, maybe serving the less fortunate, and my one hour, that's the same amount of time. That's the same amount. That equals the same thing. The value is the same in our time because we're both doing the same thing. So I think that when we're talking about kindness, you know, it's, it's uh, first off, it's of the heart because I know many people that have money that have been so kind to help other people, and they do it anonymously. And then there's others that maybe not don't have as much, but they give, give of their time, and so that's their way of giving. And so I think it just depends on, for us, the heart, when it goes back to the heart. And when you talk about money, I think oftentimes it gets to that ego where people think, I'm going to be remembered because I gave all this away. And what they don't realize is that they're soon forgotten, and the people that are remembered are the ones that had the the Christ-like heart that ultimately did care. And not only did they give their actions 
and their talents to people that needed it, but they gave their heart to the people as well, invested in them and invested in them, and even then on top of all of that, shared the gospel message because their desire was to bring them into heaven, into all eternity, so that they could be with Jesus and not go to, you know, the other place. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, Son, that we live in a day where, um, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, who really probably is a leader in this area, um, and, and but some other billionaires have, have decided that they really want to um, be involved in philanthropy. They really want to leave their money to causes that they feel are the most important. And, and, um, and, and some of them are just saying, Hey, I don't want to leave it to just my children just to spend on, you know, fancy cars and mansions and whatnot, but I want to leave it for, for something a higher purpose than that. Now, in the case of Warren Buffett, it was kind of interesting there. And those two things overlap a little bit is that it was just uh, announced here in the last week or so. Uh, I forget how many billions of dollars on that he basically designated to the foundations that are run by, I think, several of his children, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least two, if not three. Um, and, and so in that case, he's leaving it to his, his children, but they have their own foundations. And and so um, I, I, I do remember uh, back, uh, you know, a number of years ago when I, um, was seeing him giving some of his money to some of these causes and Bill Gates and whatnot and, and reading that, you know, one of the things that they're very, uh, they seem very interested in is, is putting money, uh, towards, um, groups that are going to be, uh, supporting, encouraging, promoting abortion. So that's kind of an interesting use of their funds that they're so dedicated to, to abortion, um, uh, that, that, that they want to put money toward, um, toward that cause. And, and so obviously, you know, for us as Christians, um, that, that quote unquote philanthropy, um, is, is very, uh, damaging. Now, um, I think a lot of Bill Gates's money, and I'm sure Warren Buffett's too, it goes to, you know, helping to, um, combat, uh, disease, uh, in, in countries, uh, like Africa and others. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good things that, um, and necessary things and noble things that, that I think that, you know, a lot of their money goes to, I haven't looked into it too deeply to know, you know, you know, what, what percentage of their money is, 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 is going for abortion or things like that, or, or, um, maybe for some other, uh, you know, liberal causes, uh, rather than, uh, for something just to help people. Uh, and, and I'm sure they would argue that, well, that is helping people. They somehow in their minds, uh, people who, who, uh, you know, promote and support abortion, things that, that, that that's helping people. It is helping the mother, I suppose they would say. Uh, but yeah, what about, what about the innocent child? You know, um, just like these infants, these children who were um, kidnapped by Hamas there in Israel, um, abortion is even worse than that. It's worse than what the Hamas terrorists did. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, they, 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 they took the lives of uh, some, so it would, it would be equivalent to that. Um, I mean, son, not 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 to uh, to dwell on something that's almost unspeakable, but I guess I'll I'll just share it, that it, it was in the news that um, apparently there was a situation where um, some Hamas terrorists actually put an infant in an oven as un, you know almost unthink- unthinkable horror 
but but I tell you, I, I I cannot think of that atrocity song without also thinking about um, you know the the abortions. How about the late term abortions, where a precious little baby is about ready to enter this world, and we have people in our society, including. Uh, you know, uh, a good number of politicians, including certain billionaires who give money to causes, you know, who who seem to be okay uh, and supportive, even of late-term abortion. I mean, all abortion is, is the taking of an innocent life. But, um, you know, what could be more unkind than, than that? What could be more dark than that? So the Hamas terrorists and the atrocity with um, an infant in, in, in a way that we can't even fathom the how evil that is. Um, but, but, but we've become desensitized, you know, here in America, but desensitized to the fact that, you know, you know, Hey, um, many times son, you know, we'll, we'll kind of joke with a pregnant mother, uh, you know, well, how much longer is the, the bun going to be in the oven? You know, we just, we kid, we, we joke because it's this kind of a way of thinking about God forming that little precious baby in the mother's womb. So the bun in the oven, um, never once would, 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 would anyone, you know, think then how, how a real oven, um, would be used by a terrorist or how others would break into the, the oven, the womb and, and destroy the child. Uh, uh, so how, how is it, you know, in our own country, son, that, that so many people can, and hear about an atrocity with infants that's just beyond horrible there in Israel, but then not stop and say, well, wait a minute. You know, what, what's happening in our own nation? Um, what's happening with abortion? What's happening, happening with late-term abortion? Um, how, how could you think about how could you think about doing that to an innocent little baby? Um, I mean, wasn't it, what, Hillary Clinton that refused to condemn you know, late term abortion here, not even so many, you know, too many years ago, maybe in the last year or two. I don't know. I, any politician, I mean, not, not, not just to pick on her, but, but, you know, any politician who cannot denounce late term abortion, well, then, you know, why, why would they denounce Hamas and the, and the baby in the oven? Is it any different? What's the difference? I don't see any difference between the two. If you have a baby about ready to be born, and you're going to try to justify going in there and destroying that child and, and taking their life. And, and of course they're going to suffer pain uh, and then they're going to die. Now, the only consolation son is, is, is that um, uh, we, 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 we certainly would have, I believe many biblical reasons to believe and, and, and to, um, to just have the, the hope that that child is in heaven now. Um, you, you know, I, I don't find anything in the Bible. I don't find one verse in the Bible that would suggest that an unborn child or a little baby, a little, a little child, you know, that, that loses their life, is somehow now that God is going to condemn them just because they have a sinful nature. Yes, we're all born with a sinful nature in that sense. Um, you know, in sin did my mother conceive me? Yes. The question becomes, though, um, you, you look at how Jesus took little children in his arms. There's nothing in the Bible, son, 
that that I, I don't believe there's one thing in the Bible um, that that would suggest that um, these little ones uh, now are going to go to hell rather than to heaven. So that's the only consolation I would say with abortion. Now, um, the Bible doesn't address it. Okay, the Bible doesn't address it. Uh, I mean, not, not, not in any real direct way. Um, and, and, and so we just have to look at what the Bible does say about how God wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and, and how um, certainly uh, God, uh, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, um, will do the right thing in every single case. You know, people will often ask, well, what about those who've never heard the gospel? Well, you know, Romans talks about how, um, you know, men are without excuse because you can see God by creation. So I, I certainly, for me, I certainly don't put, you know, aborted babies in the same category as, as people in other countries who haven't heard the gospel. Um, but again, that's, that's way above my pay grade. You know, that, that's the Lord's call. That's, he's the judge, not us. Um, my, my only point in even raising this issue was as we think about abortion, um, you know, I, 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 I just truly believe that, that because of the nature of God, that this little baby who, who hadn't even yet entered the world, you know, God, God, God loves that little baby. God loves that little child. God loves all little children. God wants everyone to be safe. Uh, so, so when a teenager or an adult um, hardens their heart to the God of the universe, doesn't seek the Lord, I mean, or, or even worse than that, they, they reject the gospel outright. I mean, you know, son, those people who hear the gospel and reject it, they are without excuse. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got people in other countries who've never heard. And, and that, that's hard for us to wrap our mind around. Um, you know, it's like, well, it doesn't seem fair. They never heard. Well, um, God will be fair in every case. And, and, you know, the other thing is this, Son. The Bible makes it very clear. There are different degrees of punishment in hell. Some are going to be punished more severely than others. The Bible makes that very clear. So, um, you know, God is the one who who has all the answers on this, who decides everything, who wants everyone to be saved, who sent his son Jesus to die for everyone, um, who covers the sins of those uh, who trust his son. Um, and when we talk about aborted babies, they never had an opportunity to trust. They, you know. So anyway, um, I, I, I think that even in the case of abortion, um, I, I would be very hopeful and, 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 and believing that, um, that these little ones are, are, are coming into heaven. Um, you know, that, that's just everything that I, I would see as being consistent with, um, God's character, um, you know, who the Lord is, uh, and the fact that he wants everyone to be saved because he is a kind God. I mean, look at Jesus, you know, look at the way, look how kind he was son, to all the little children. Look how kind he was kind to the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Um, but he, he called them to repentance. You know, he called them to repentance, but he was kind. Now, now the people he was the angriest at were the religious leaders who were hypocrites. 
um, the Jewish leaders who rejected him. And he had a lot of harsh words to say for them, but, but for the little children, uh, it was, it was always one of open arms. And Jesus had an open arms approach, you know, and, and, and he loved uh, the little ones. He, people one time they were bringing babies to Jesus to have him bless them. And the disciples, you know, kind of rebuked the people like, Oh, you know, you're wasting our master's time. He said, Hey, no, he, he, he called out his disciples. He said, Hey, let them bring the little ones to me. You know, if you don't enter the uh, kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter in. Um, you know, son, young children, so easy for them to come to Christ. I mean, I know with the four kids in our, in our family, our two sons and two daughters, I mean, by the time they were probably two years old, um, you know, what did Jesus do for you? Jesus died for our sins on the cross. I mean, they were trusting Jesus from a very early age. So like with our two grandkids, you know, um, I'm already talking to them. They're, you know, uh, just a matter of, you know, what, 10 months and, and, and three months. But, um, uh, you know, already, you know, singing Jesus loves me to them. Um, obviously not, not quite getting into the, the gospel, obviously yet, but, but that'll be coming soon. Um, especially for our oldest, uh, grandchild, uh, who will be one here in, in a couple of years. So, you know, the next year or so or, or less, I mean, we'll be, uh, you know, starting to, you know, talk about what Jesus did for us and then, you know, those first five years are so critical um, in the spiritual development of a child. So that, that's, that's a way we can be kind. And, and, you know, everybody in the world wants to reach the children. The Christians want to reach the children, but so do the other people who, who don't know the Lord. Um, people who uh, have a dark uh, vision for America, they want to reach the children. You know, the Marxists want to reach the children. Um, you know, everybody wants to reach the children. Because the children truly are the future um, in, in many respects. And when you look at how many young people today have been brainwashed, um, you know, I mean, literally, you know, you go woke, you go broke. Um, I mean, no wonder people are saying they, you know, I mean, just on an earthly level, they can't even pay their bills. You know, this video that went viral of this nurse and her and her husband and good jobs. But, you know, we can't, I mean, you know. In Biden's economy, you go woke, you go broke. I mean, you know, and that's just, that's just earthly stuff. That's not heaven and hell. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, um, leftist ideology destroys souls because it turns people away from Jesus. But, but just on an earthly level, um, you know, try to tell the poor people in Afghanistan that, that they're better off or, or in Ukraine. Um, I, I mean, it, it's been a disaster. What, what, what's happened um, under this, this current president. So, well, Pastor Dan, that's politics. No, no, no. Those are spiritual realities that are going on. Sure, people talk about them as political realities, but, but they're, they're deeper than that. Um, they're deeper than that. They're, they're involving uh, souls of people and lives of people and ideologies that are dark. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's not to say that, well, you know, everything that's, quote-unquote conservative on the uh, political side, you know, ultimately, you know, you got to get to Jesus. You've got to, you got to get to him. I mean, yes, conservative values are going to be far better for America. Uh, Wokeness, I mean, we we see what it's done, the the transgender ideology, you know, I mean, what what, what Obama ushered into America is destroying America um, on many levels. You know, it's destroying America. That's a spiritual reality, not a political reality. That's a spiritual. Um, all of those things. I mean, his uh, 
you know, you know, claiming he wasn't for gay marriage, you know, like in 2016, on what MTV just to get elected. And now we've seen the revolution that's come in just in the last seven years, the transgender, you know, revolution is the dominoes are falling. Um, you, you know, you go woke, you go broke. Um, not just financially. Um, you, I mean, kids' lives are being destroyed. I mean, look at these young people, son. You think people aren't out of their minds? So they follow Obama on the transgender train, and now what? You got, you got kids, kids all over America praising Osama bin Laden. You know, one, you know, thinking somehow he's a role model. You've got, you've got kids on college campuses that are, are shouting pro-Palestinian, you know, chants after what the terrorists did to Israel. I mean, you know, people have lost their minds because you go woke, you go broke. And Obama brought in a lot of that. He brought in a lot of that. A lot of that is on his shoulders. He has a lot to answer for, uh, you know, to the Lord on what he, what, what he uh, ushered in. And they thought, oh, well, you know, gay marriage, you know, we can, we can get by with this. No, you cannot promote gay marriage without it going much further. And it has. It's gone much further. You go woke, you go broke. You know, the whole thing is just, um, you know, blown up. Uh, and Obama was, was, a, was a, a false prophet. No, he's a president. No, he was a false prophet. He was getting into things that are deeply spiritual. And, and these college campuses, Son, that um, are, are so rabid uh, with their leftist ideology, that is a spiritual dynamic. You're telling me Harvard that began hundreds of years ago, the, the Ivy League schools to spread the gospel, and now you look at what they're doing. You, you look at what they're about. You go woke, you go broke. You know, it's just absolutely dark. It's spiritual. Way more than political. It's spiritual. So, you know, if, if you're going to vote for a president, do it for spiritual reasons. Not, not that he's going to be the theologian in chief, but, but who is he, you know, what sort of policies is he most likely to implement? Just take abortion, you know? I mean, I mean, if you can uh, endorse the killing of babies, I mean, that's a, that's a spiritual position that is terrible, horrible. Everybody as horrible as what, um, you know, Hamas is doing to, to, to babies. And especially when you get a late-term abortion. And yet people would look at Hillary Clinton and think, well, that's respectable. Or, you know, she is as a politician, let's say. No. You know, the, the, these young people, son, who've been brainwashed by leftist ideologies, it's all spiritual. At the root of it, it is dark, it is spiritual. And, and whatever happens with America, I mean, at the end of the day, son, there's going to be heaven and hell. So people need to wake up and realize that wherever you land on the, you know, political spectrum, okay, um, you, you better, you better think long and hard about what you, what you're going to do with Jesus, because it's not going to matter when you stand before him on judgment day, what your policies were or, or, or what your political party was. Okay. That's not going to matter who you voted for. Are you kidding me? Um, did you vote for Jesus or not? You know, were, were, were you following Christ or not? Were you forgiven of your sins or not? And so I come back to Charlie Munger, Yeah, you know, he, you know, and even when Warren Buffett, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not, you know, what were their, what were their political views? It's what did they do with Christ? Because that's the only thing now that matters for Charlie Munger. His billions mean nothing. They mean nothing because he's either in Hades today or he's in paradise. And I hope he's in paradise. And I hope every aborted baby is in paradise today. I have many reasons to, to, to believe that they are, 
but the Bible doesn't really address that. Um, it's clearly as, as we might like. Um, I mean, you know, you, you're going to find some things that I think you, you could make a strong case, obviously, for that. And I think any, if anybody's going to try to make a case that they're not in heaven, um, well, then show me your case biblically. Try to show me what, what God you're believing in. Um, you know, my Bible says God is love. And that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that Jesus loved the little children and welcomed them into his arms. So there's a lot going on in the world. You go woke, you go broke. You reject Christ, you're lost forever. And you can die with billions of dollars, like Charlie Munger. You can live to 99. You know, everybody wants to live a long life, son, and things. Wait, wait, well, well, what, about, what about eternity? You know, where, where will you spend eternity? That's what matters in the long run. And, but, but people get blinded by the money and by everything else. And, um, you, you know, I mean, I even wrote an article. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not. We may have a while back, but about, you know, Warren Buffett and his, you know, portfolio and so forth. And, and, uh, so there's, there's a lot to consider, a lot to consider, but, uh, uh, I mean, aren't you glad? I mean, boy, that we that we know the Lord, um, because without Him, um, we we would be lost. You know, we, we we would have no future and no hope. Dan Dozell with us as we discuss the issues that come across the intersection of faith and pop culture. And Dan, we appreciate your time and your insights into these conversations that we have, and we look forward to uh, many more, God willing. Well, I sure do as well, Son. Thank you so much. And uh, for those of you listening, check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Just click on the Sanctified Reason podcast logo, and our past shows will pop up. We're also on the uh, hosting site, Podbean. Or you can just internet search us on your uh, internet site, Google, Yahoo, whatever, and uh, the show pops up. Um, And we encourage you to reach out. Sanctified Reason Podcast at gmail.com, Sanctified Reason Podcast at gmail.com, and we will respond. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.